Welcome to the Pet Industry Podcast, connecting you with the people behind the passion, the leading experts in the pet industry. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Sprinkle. And I'm your other host, Dr. Mary Cope. Welcome to the Pet Industry Podcast, a podcast by BSN Partners where we go behind the scenes of the pet industry, including the people, products, and science. We are going through two different series right now, one series on DCM research and another series on pet gut health and the microbiome. Today, we are back to the latter to discuss a unique nutritional ingredient to support gut health and the microbiome for our pets. This is a great example of emergent insights into the pet industry. So let's get to our guests from ZenPro, Allison Milligan and Adam Geiger. Well, welcome Allison and Adam. I'm very excited to talk with you today because I think gut health and keeping our pets healthy by building up their immunity, these are very common things that a pet owner considers because we want our pets to be healthy and we want them to have good poops and all of those wonderful things. So you are going to talk with us a little bit about a little bit of a different way that you can address those particular health concerns, and that's with colostrum. But I would love to know a little bit about both of you just to get to know you a little bit better. And I would love to know, how did you get into animal nutrition? So Adam, do you mind starting? Yeah, sure. My name is Adam Geiger. I live in Madison, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta. And I've been with uh, Zimpro Corporation for about uh, seven years and working in our colostrum group here at the company. And I got involved with animals and animal nutrition from a really young age. I actually was born and raised on a dairy farm uh, near um, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and was surrounded by animals and pets. and all sorts of things from a very young age, and then did a degree uh, in animal science at University of Wisconsin and a master's in animal science nutrition at Mississippi State. And then I did a PhD in physiology, Virginia Tech, and have been working in various capacities with animals, production and companion since that time. And got a lot of pets. We've got a whole gaggle of animals in the backyard, and it's just always been something that's been a big passion. And so uh, excited to be here. Happy to talk with you. And yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So thank you so much. And Allison, what about you? What got you into working with animals and animal nutrition? Hello. Yes, I am Allison Milliken. I actually started with Zimpro about a year ago and have been in the pet space. And I have a similar story to Adam. I grew up in West Texas, my family ranched, and we raised sheep and cattle and I always had a dog and we had chickens. We had the whole nine. Um, and I fell in love with it from the get-go. I did try to stray. I always chuckle because in undergrad, I decided I was going to be an engineer. And uh, I made it two years and I was like, you know what? My passion is animals. So changed about course, went to animal science. I did my um, bachelor's at Texas A&M. And then I did a master's in animal physiology at Clemson. And then I came back to Texas A&M because once an Aggie, it just sucks you back in uh, and did my PhD in animal nutrition there. And since then, it's, it's, you know, it's always been a passion, but now I get to to make a career out of it. And 
I, I love what I do. And I think that it's a definitely an exciting field to be in when you love it as much as we do. Yeah. So I'm excited for you to share your enthusiasm for this particular area of nutrition. And we're going to actually take both of those. You both talked about being raised around cows and things like that. And this colostrum is coming from cows. But then we're also going to see how it applies to pets. I think a great foundation is, so what is colostrum? What is in it that is going to lead to maybe these reasons that we are going to give them to pets? Yes, you're right. When we think of colostrum, we typically think about dairy animals, right? Or cows, uh, cattle. But all mammals make colostrum. Humans make colostrum, right? And so when we think about colostrum, a newborn, now if I take a step back, colostrum has two primary kind of purposes when we talk about feeding it to animals. And the primary reason we typically think about is the newborn animal. And so if we think about a newborn animal, it really doesn't matter what it is. Most animals are born more or less without a functioning immune system, right? So they don't really have any way to protect themselves from the diseases of this world. And the same with humans, same with dogs, cats, calves, whatever. And so colostrum is filled with one very important thing in a term that you're going to hear me say over and over again. It's filled with antibodies, or we can call them immunoglobulins or IgG. It's all the same thing. But essentially what that is, is those antibodies are being passed from mom to baby via colostrum. And that is essentially the memory of all the diseases that mom has encountered in her lifetime. And so she's giving those antibodies to the baby to protect it because it doesn't have an immune system. So she's essentially giving the baby an immune system. And she's doing that through those antibodies, which are just the memory of all the diseases she's faced. And so the baby can consume that colostrum, can absorb those antibodies and use that to fight diseases while she then encounters, he or she then encounters different diseases in the environments and learns herself. So it's the way for mom to communicate to the baby and provide support and health and protection from the environment. And so that's typically what we think about when we think about colostrum. But those antibodies uh, in the colostrum have a whole host of other benefits. And a big one is that it can also just help the animal generally fight disease on a daily basis. So we could give it to a full-grown dog or cat or a one that's just been weaned off milk, for example, and it can consume the colostrum and those antibodies can just hang out in the stomach. And so if the animal ever gets into something it shouldn't uh, or encounters disease, those antibodies actually have a very local effect right there in the stomach and they're going to take care of those disease-causing bugs before they can make your animal sick and cause loose feces, things like that. So that's a long answer. Now, um, I think it is important to, when we think about colostrum, colostrum is essentially the first milk that comes in um, right after a baby of whatever kind of mammal it is is born. So it's that first milk that they're going to be drinking. But the microbes that a cow is exposed to versus what a dog's exposed to, I, I assume would be very different microbes. So do you see a, like a translation over from the antibodies that a cow has to um, benefiting a dog or would you need colostrum from a species specific or is it more of a blanket ability of these antibodies to act? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we think about colostrum, we often call it nature's perfect food because it has a mixture of different things in it. 
uh, proteins, fats. Uh, it has a lot of different growth factors and these kind of bioactive factors that some we know a lot about, some we're still learning about. But it's that first milk that's produced by any mammal. And again, we typically think about it in terms of cows, but it's that first milk produced by any animal to be provided to its offspring because that offspring is essentially born without an immune system. So it's a way to give that animal a fighting chance and protect it from the diseases of the environment that it hasn't encountered yet. And we talk about colostrum and we talk about supplementing colostrum to any species. We are typically talking about bovine colostrum. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, cows produce a lot more colostrum than any other species, right? So when we talk about collecting it, we can get our hands on quite a bit of it. And there's also a lot of cows throughout the U.S. that are available to collect colostrum from. And so when you look at colostrum supplements or treats or foods or feeds that contain colostrum in them, almost all of them are going to be bovine colostrum, whether you're feeding it to calves, baby goats, foals, um, dogs, cats, puppies, kittens. And one nice thing about that is the antibodies that we find that are present in bovine colostrum actually have a lot of cross-reactivity or, or apply to majority of the major things that we're encountering regardless of species. Bovine colostrum has a lot of antibodies that are effective against very common diseases such as E. coli, salmonella is one that is deals with maybe a lack of sanitation or things like that, coccidiosis, clostridium, and parvovirus. And so those diseases apply to a whole gambit of different animals. And that's one thing that makes bovine colostrum really efficacious, not only for production animals, but specifically for companion animals, because it is going to have a lot of impact against a lot of the diseases that our dogs and cats are going to typically encounter. And Allison, too, I know you have a huge focus when it comes to using this colostrum in cats and dogs. So from your experience, when would we want to be giving colostrum to a cat and dog? I know we started talking about the very young animal. We've also mentioned several times that this could be used in an older animal. Is this more of for prevention of disease or could it be to help support maybe like a loose stool situation? What are you experiencing when it comes to our pets? Absolutely. So I think what's so fantastic about this specific ingredient is really it has a place in both spaces. So you can utilize it from that prevention standpoint where I believe it's the most effective. But inevitably, we always are going to have our pets get into something or face these stressful situations that you may see that loose stool or that additional stress that you can utilize this as a tool to help combat that. So like you mentioned, the younger pets, that is one focus, right? And you think about our, our puppies and our kittens, they have to go through multiple stressful periods in their life. So weaning, going to new locations, diet changes, all of those can be, they can have some negative impacts on stool quality, also how the puppy or kitten feels. And so that would be a scenario where you could almost work from a preventative angle, knowing 
these upcoming stressful situations are coming. But also when they're little, you may not have the ability to do it in the same capacity that you have with older dogs. So it could be something you could give in response to one of those stressful situations. Are older dogs and cats a similar thing, right? Where personally, I take my dog PJ, she goes with me everywhere, right? And sometimes that can be stressful. Other times, even me just leaving the house without her, she's like, I'm, I'm a little stressed, right? So there's just all these times that we face, we, or we put our pets in these stressful situations. So if you have a high stress dog, doing something preventative, having them on it consistently can help minimize the, the chance of having some of these gut health related issues to stress. But also thinking about from a from an immunity standpoint, you take your dog to the kennel or you take your cat to a new environment. So they're just like us. They're exposed to new things. It's like taking a kid to a playground. You never know what they're going to come home with. <laughs> so there's a way that I'm going to be taking my dog to the kennel, like maybe a week, two weeks before you start supplementing them with colostrum to kind of prep them. We also have some, re- or there is some research out there too that shows it being fed daily at a lower dosage. So it would again be that more preventative, but you'll also start to see things on the market that are more of a supplement and that you could regulate yourself based on what your animal is really going through. So it sounds like typically when a dog or a cat gets sick with something, they're introduced to some little microbe that kind of sets off this cascade of events. And it takes a little while for their immune system to, A, identify what the problem is, and then B, make the antibodies or like the little soldiers to go in and battle the the microbes that are causing GI upset. And so it sounds to me like the antibodies that are in colostrum are like the shortcut in that immune response for your dog or your cat. So if you feed this, you're introducing antibodies directly into the gut to battle the bad bacteria. And we had a previous episode where we talked about the benefit of probiotics where the good bacteria outcompete the bad bacteria. But it sounds to me like colostrum is basically just like a little army that you're sending in there to to immediately fight those bad bacteria. Is that an accurate take on how this product can work to keep our pets' guts happy and healthy? Yes. So one, I love that little army. I think that is the perfect way to describe it because really colostrum can work in two ways. Uh, And one is really that, yes, you're putting soldiers in the GI tract. And that's that IgG or the antibodies that Adam was talking about. And it can act locally within the gut by basically binding up any of those bad bacteria and allow them to shoot out the other end. So able to move all the way through without getting into the bloodstream. The other way that colostrum can impact or those IgGs can really serve the pet well is about 70% of an animal's immune system is actually within the gut. And those that, that produce a lot of your actives within the immune system, that IgG can have a positive impact there and basically give that animal a boost, um, what we would consider systemically. 
So that would be able to help prepare that animal to produce their own antibodies in response if it does uh, get basically absorbed into the bloodstream. So there's two different ways, and it acts um, in both what we would consider localized and systemically to help boost that immune system. Yeah, I, I just thought you said two things that were really interesting. And so number one, I, I do love your army analogy, right? And I think that pulls up a really important distinction between colostrum and probiotics. We want to keep following that army analogy, right? Probiotics are essentially supplying the army with more tools to succeed and beat the enemy, whereas colostrum is putting more soldiers on the front line, okay? So they are very complementary in the way that they can work, right? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to just put more soldiers in there that are going to take care of the enemy, which is any disease or stress before it causes a problem. And then to your point is when we have a situation, we can't all predict when our pets are going to get sick. We could, that's a whole nother story, but if we could, that would be awesome, but we can't, right? And as Allison mentioned, this colostrum does work best as a preventative. And the reason for that is when we have a situation that causes stress that maybe we didn't see coming uh, or we weren't appropriately prepared for, that takes a few days before we really start to see that show up in terms of loose stools, right? So something's happening inside of our dog or cat causing stress. And typically what that means is that the enemy soldiers or the bad bacteria and they are starting to win and they're starting to attack the actual stomach tissue of our dog or cat. And that's what presents itself as loose stools. And so by coming in and trying to prevent with this colostrum and the antibodies that are present in it, when those things are in there and having their effect and we're not even aware of it yet, we've already provided more soldiers that are taking care of those bad guys, those bad pathogens and binding to them. And they're just going to go out the other end in the feces. And so that's where this thing becomes really important. And it has a similar effect in humans. I can speak from personal experience. I, I've been to a few countries traveling and, and I've uh, encountered some food uh, in some situations that I, everybody else in my group had some pretty significant issues as a result of bacterial contamination from the water and the food. And because I had been preparing and taking colostrum as a preventative, there's been multiple situations where I am the only one in my group that did not get sick. And I was also the only one that was taking colostrum beforehand. Now, for our pet owners who have heard that dogs and cats outside of puppy and kittenhood are lactose intolerant and milk is, has the potential to cause GI upset, how is this bovine colostrum product different than the milk that you'd find in the supermarket? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so remember, stepping back, colostrum is not milk. It's really that first milk. So it's much higher in fat and protein than regular milk. So as a result, if fat and protein go up, your lactose is naturally going to be lower. But colostrum in general does still have lactose in it. And so it is something that we, we need to be aware of. And that's where the conversation of not all colostrum is colostrum comes into play. There are a lot of different options available for pet owners out there in terms of colostrum, but they're not all the same because a lot of them are processed differently. And so one thing we need to look at is what sort of colostrum 
powder is being used as the active ingredient in the treat, for example, that you're purchasing. There are a lot of products out there that are simply dried bovine colostrum. So they collect it from the cow and it's just dried down into a powder. That's going to have a lot higher lactose content and a lot uh, lower protein and antibody content, for example. A lot of those products are probably going to have a protein content less than 50% and a, on a dry, in terms of the powder and an antibody content of definitely less than 25%. Whereas the products uh, that we work with specifically for pets, they have, they're concentrated and they go through an ultra filtration process, similar to some of the milk we can buy off of the store shelves where the lactose content is significantly lowered and the protein content is increased to the 70, 80% range and the antibody content to around that 50% range. So what we see is both humans and pets that have sensitivities to lactose, for example, they don't have the same issues with those more concentrated products. So it is very important for us to understand the form and maybe ask some questions when it comes to the colostrum that we are providing to our pets. So for our pet owners who are looking for products that potentially do have colostrum integrated within them or looking for a colostrum supplement, is there... Are, are the products distinguished based on how they're labeled for quality or is that is there just a blanket term for colostrum? How can people know the quality of the colostrum that they're purchasing? That is an excellent question. And unfortunately, there's not a defined distinction in how they're labeled uh, that I'm aware of. However, one potential way to notice it would be based on Um, how much is added. So we know when we look at an ingredient label, right, the ingredients that are highest are going to be the ones where there's the most in that product. And then as you move through the list, that the amount of those ingredients is going to decrease. So if you're looking at two different products, you could potentially do some comparison that way and see where on the label it falls. Um, Again, if you have a more concentrated product, you're going to have to add less of it to meet that antibody concentration. And oftentimes, especially if it's a supplement, you'll see on the label that they'll call out what their actives are. So there may be some that calls out colostrum specifically and others that'll call out those active compounds within colostrum. The two you'd be most likely to see would be that Ig, um, So that antibody that Adam's been talking about And then you could potentially see a a lactoferrin, which is another peptide within the colostrum that has some positive impacts on the immune system. However, it's at a much lower concentration than what the IgG is within the product. I would also encourage, there's numbers, there's contact information on those products. So if there is something, especially if you have an animal that is lactose intolerant, I would encourage maybe doing a little bit of research, uh, maybe reaching out to the company and just asking, hey, what is your source of colostrum? Is it concentrated or does it have lactose, a a significant, or wouldn't be significant, but more lactose in it than a concentrated product? So again, unfortunately right now, there's not a a true standard there, but I believe as as this ingredient continues to gain 
uh, more traction and, and understanding within the public. Uh, I foresee there being some changes in that moving forward. Um, but right now, it's still a new ingredient, so you're not going to see it everywhere yet. But have definitely started to see it in some of the supplements that are on the market. Yeah, and, and I would just chime in that a majority of the time it's labeled as dried bovine colostrum on the label. And then I think it comes to having trying to reach out to the uh, company that is making the treat that you're interested in purchasing. The question I would ask them is, for what reason or what benefit did they include the, the colostrum powder? And ask them what if they can share any characteristics of the powder that they're using. And the important thing that Allison alluded to is we understand why we're adding bovine colostrum or colostrum to a treat or a formula. We're not just doing it to add it, right? It's not just, hey, I'm going to add five grams of this stuff or a pound in my formula, whatever it is, right? And then boom, we have an effect, right? It's the effect comes from those functional elements we talked about, right? The antibodies, for example, being a big one. That's what's actually giving you the impact on the animal. So we can do our due diligence that way in understanding, okay, do we add, asking somebody, why did you add this to the formula and what benefit can I expect from my pet? What's the inclusion rate or, or the, not even the inclusion rate, but what's the source of the colostrum that you're using? And what in the, in the colostrum is giving me the benefit that I'm, that I'm seeking? If they can answer those questions for you, that means they truly do understand that it needs to be added at a rate that provides the benefit and that we're not just adding in some colostrum and kind of hoping for the best, if that makes sense. Because there are specific elements within colostrum that give us the benefits. And then that goes back to the not all colostrum is colostrum, right? If we have a more concentrated product, we don't need to add as much because we're ha- we have a higher percentage of those functional and important ingredients in a more concentrated product. Along these lines, with this similar theme that we're talking about here, and then Allison, you did highlight that this is a newer ingredient for pet products. So I'm curious, have you come across or, or maybe what are some of the most common misconceptions or challenges, I- anything along those lines? Because I know there's going to be some people who are early adopters and it's, ooh, new and this is great. But then there's some people that hear new and it's, oh, should I wait and make sure it's safe or something? So I'm curious, what have you heard that might be like a misconception or just maybe a challenge with the product? Yeah. So one thing I, I'll tackle, tackle first is new is maybe not the best term, right? Maybe it's newer to pet owners. Ultimately, we've been leveraging colostrum in various other industries for years, especially in the dairy industry, some of our production animals, but also in the human industries. There's quite a bit of literature out there around the supplementation of colostrum in humans and what those health benefits are. So new is, uh, it's, it's not as scary, right? Because it does have a really long history. It's just we're finally getting to the point that we're getting to leverage some of these benefits that we know and understand in our pets and really to be able to equip them, like I said, to face some of those challenging situations, the stress. But when you start looking as to what's out there, again, there's a handful of supplements out there that are really starting to leverage this. And I would say from a misconception standpoint, and Adam may be able to speak to this a little bit more than I ha- can, but 
The only one I really see is one, okay, yes, new, maybe a little scary, but the second one would just be any negative connotations around a dairy product, right? And I think that depends on what your background is with it. But ultimately, it's just, in my mind, just really exciting that we're getting to leverage the knowledge that we've gained around this ingredient in our pets. And it has a multitude of health benefits. So again, you'll see it in different types of products. So if you're looking out there for products that have colostrum in it, what you're going to see is there's a couple of different health benefits that are going to be most targeted for the utilization of that ingredient. And what we've done, we've alluded to the fact that stress is a big piece. So you'll actually see this not only in in gut health products, where we know we often see the impact of stress within that GI tract, but you'll also see it in some of the calming supplements on the market. So if we think about that connection there, it often has pulls back on the the gut-brain axis and how when we impact the gut positively, we can impact things like mood and things like that within humans, within animals. So you will see it in maybe some of your calming supplements as well. And right now, those are the probably the biggest two, but the last one you'll see is just general immune health. So at the end of the day, they're actually all very connected. It's just a matter of how you want to target what benefit you're looking for with those various different approaches. So it it sounds like it's not a new product. It is a new application of a product that has been around since really the dawn of time, since colostrum is every mammal consumes it shortly after they're born. So very exciting to see new applications of some of these products that science allows us to utilize for continued benefits. Yeah, I guess I would chime in there. One other type of treat that you do see colostrum in as well is allergen treats to help reduce the uh, impact of allergens on our pets. That's another area that colostrum, and there is some research out there on it, that colostrum has been shown to have a pretty nice impact is in kind of that response to allergens. And to Allison's point, and to your point as well, this is a new species or kind of a new area colostrum is now being used in. But again, it's something that's been recommended by veterinarians and industry professionals and other species for a very long time. We actually have quite a bit of research that's published and some internal research with baby dairy calves and baby piglets. In the piglets, it shows that when you give it to the runts of the litter, it actually makes them more robust and energetic and actually helps them catch up to the bigger piglets. So that a couple of weeks later, you can hardly even notice a difference between what the runt was and the normal rest of the litter. In baby calves, when they're still on milk and their stomachs are very similar to that of dogs and cats, we actually see when we supplement this stuff to these calves during stressful periods that the animals that are fed the colostrum, we actually see a 25% reduction in the number of animals that have loose stools. So this is something actually that other industries, other animal industries have been using for probably close to a decade to improve fecal consistency, boost overall immune status of their animals and help some of those animals that maybe aren't aren't thriving as well from the get-go or struggling with the stress more to help them catch up and put them on a level playing field. So it's really exciting to be able to take this technology 
and bring it to an area where we can see the benefits daily, right? Because we're, we live with our pets, right? And so, I mean, 100%, when my dog is starting to struggle or I, I know that we're going to be entering into a stressful situation with kenneling or, or something like that, being able to prevent that and improve fecal consistency and, and the loose stool situation with my animals, that makes a big difference to me. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I I know I have I have show dogs and I have one of my dogs. She's been showing since she was just a puppy and now she's two and a half years old. And you'd think at this point that going out on the road traveling, given that she's so accustomed to it, it wouldn't play a role. It wouldn't be stressful for her at this point. But she always seems if it's longer than two days of travel, she always seems to get a little bit of an upset stomach. And I, I know that it's that stress bleeding over. So even for outside of just pet dogs, for performance show dogs as well, where they're constantly on the road and, and traveling, I think this ingredient shows promise for improving some of those loose stools because there's nothing worse than traveling with a dog and having to pick up after a dog that has some loose or any stools. I don't travel with my dog, but she's one big ball of anxiety and she's a great Dane. So when you have a big dog, you also, no matter where you're going, whether it's at home or on the road, you want good stool with that big dog. <laughs> so my dog's not as fancy as Mary's, but <laughs> but she definitely is, has high anxiety. So I I love this opportunity to, again, that the new application of an ingredient that's been around for a while, that it's just been underutilized potentially in the cat dog pet world. So that is super exciting. So we will definitely link a few additional resources in our description below this episode. But just as we wrap up today, what what's one last thing that you would like to leave everyone uh, when it comes to colostrum and using it for our pets? I guess if I had to leave you guys with anything, this concept of colostrum it's proven in a lot of different applications already, and it is it is already here and entering into both the human and specifically the companion animal, the pet, dog, and cat space. It's an all-natural product that has the opportunity and has been shown to significantly improve gut health and overall immune functions in our pets, especially when we use it as a preventative when we know a stressor is coming. And so, I would leave that as our opportunity, right? If we've got an animal or a pet that has these loose stools and is consistently having issues when it comes to time of stress, things like that, find a product that has colostrum in it because I think you're going to be really surprised to see the daily impact that it will have on your pet if we can get it in there and we can get that animal consuming colostrum and all those various factors that are, are within it. Yeah, so I'll just jump in and add to that. Really, for me, as I, I just want all of you to be able to know that this is it's an option for you, especially if you have stressful pets or you're going to be putting your pet in a stressful situation, no matter the age. So we know that there are these health benefits for your dogs and your cats um, at all ages, and it just gives you another tool in the toolbox and. As an industry, we keep pushing forward to have more functional ingredients and understand how they can benefit our our family members. And I think this is just, it's another tool to have in your toolbox. And like we were just talking about, 
there is nothing worse than GI issues, whether it's what doesn't matter which end it's coming out of. It's not fun to deal with. And it's just good to know your options and know that that this is something that could really help boost that immune system, be play a prominent role in maintaining gut health, and then ultimately maybe have an impact even on the um, that cognitive piece of your animal. So a lot of opportunity for it. And I think we're just going to continue to to learn more about it and, and what it can do for our pets. I have one extra bonus question for you because you talked about all the uses. And most of the examples you mentioned on where we might find it to to use it for our pets is like supplements and, and functional treats. But I think it was Adam who mentioned a little bit on a a smaller dose more consistently, more on a daily basis has also been looked at and shown to have some benefit as well. So is it currently or is this something that we might see in the future where it could be incorporated into a complete and balanced diet that we would feed our dogs or cats daily? Yeah, that's a good question. And you you did ask about some of the the drawbacks with it earlier too or, or potential things that might, people might get hung up on. And that is one thing we, the biggest negative about colostrum is that all those components, they are heat sensitive, right? So because of that, we're talking about 160 degrees Fahrenheit, we start to have some problems and dog food is processed at higher temperatures than that. It can't be included in a formula in, into the actual feed itself. But there are technologies out there that can spray it onto the dog food after it's processed, like coating type technologies. The best of our knowledge, there aren't any companies that are utilizing that technology currently, but it is an option that we discuss with pet food manufacturers. So hopefully it will be something that will be available in the near future. I do know I, this is primarily in the U.S., but there are some products, I believe, in Europe that that do leverage colostrum in a kibble for cats and for dogs. But in the U.S., there really isn't anything right now that I'm aware of from a complete and complete balanced diet standpoint. And really, we're this market is more focused on incorporating it in supplements. But I do hope that's something we see in the future. I know if I could buy dog food for my pet with it in there, I would 100% do it because as much as supplements, I love giving her treats and things like that. But at the end of the day, I know I'm not very consistent at it. And so if I had something that I could provide it more consistently, I would be all about that. So I do hope that in the future that is becomes more readily available from an options standpoint. Now, there are a lot of pet owners who do supplementing their existing kibble but maybe are interested in doing standalone supplementation so they can really cherry pick exactly what they want to supplement their dog with instead of having to purchase a calming or an immune supplement that has a smattering of different ingredients. Is colostrum available for purchase as a standalone ingredient that people could add into their dog's diet as a topper? The powdered colostrum, is that or will that be available for supplementation in the pet space? There is at least one company that we work with that provides a daily supplement that contains colostrum as a part of it. It also contains some other things, vitamins and minerals. It's not an exclusive colostrum powder. 
That is something that we have been looking at. Zintro will have something available on Amazon in the coming future that won't be labeled specifically for pet, but will have multi-species use. And a lot of folks that do do it currently as just a daily supplemented pure colostrum powder. But the one thing I'll say is that when we buy these things from our kind of fleet stores, do make sure you read the label because just because it says colostrum supplement doesn't actually mean that it contains colostrum powder. And so there are a lot of things out there that are labeled colostrum supplements, but what those things are actually meant to do is be supplemented into cow's colostrum just to raise the fat and protein. And they don't actually contain any of the functional ingredients we're interested in. There are a lot of things that are at factor supply, depends where our listeners are from, farm and fleet stores, things like that, that that work for kind of a multi-species application, but just make sure that they report either an antibody, an IgG, in a globulin or a globulin protein content on it. If they don't, or bovine colostrum powder isn't listed as an ingredient, they might provide you with some sort of benefit, but they're not going to be the benefits that we outlined today. That's helpful. Thank you. Because <laughs> yeah. the label does get really confusing. So thank you for pointing that out. It's definitely easy to get lost in a label sometimes. Or, or just look at the front and, and it sounds fancy and it sounds what I'm looking for, but always to, yep. to keep looking. So absolutely. Thank you for entertaining our <laughs> Mike no, down the path. We always just a, a fun way to, to wrap up the episode. I know, Adam, you mentioned a little bit about your, I think your pet earlier, uh, but w- please tell us about your personal pets. How much time you got? <laughs> so uh, we have, all right, we've got three labs. We have dairy goats. We have six chickens. We have about eight cows, male, female, milking, non-milking. We have a miniature donkey and we have a cat. You like so a we have, <laughs> yes, we, it's pretty impressive. And a bunch of our goats are about to have babies. So it's about to be the wild west. I love so baby goats. A lot, more, a lot more than just 10 soon. Yes, we're about to have a lot more than just 10. But what I will say is that all of our baby goats, we do give this colostrum to for the first week of their life. And we've had over 60 goats born on this farm and we've never had to treat any of them or none of them have ever gotten sick. And it's because of anecdotal experiences like that, that I really do believe in the benefits that the clock can provide. I love that. Allison, can you top that? No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I have a few pets, but my, my dog PJ, she is the main one. She steals the show. She's an Australian cattle dog or red healer. And I've had her now for almost 11 years. And she still acts like she's about five. Gets a little sore on occasion after and she goes at it a little too hard sometimes. We have to slow her down and remind her she's getting older. But yeah, she's she keeps us on our toes. It's never, ever dull. She talks back probably more than any other child <laughs> and is incredibly hard-headed and stubborn. But we love her and... Yeah, I don't know. My life would not be the same without the PJ dog running around. 
fascinating, right? I hope you found this an enlightening discussion about a powerful yet often overlooked nutritional ingredient, colostrum. Our guests from ZenPro, Allison Milliken and Adam Geiger, shed light on the incredible benefits it offers for our pets' gut health and overall immunity. Colostrum isn't a new product. It's as old as mammals, and it's making its way into products for companion animals. From bolstering the immune system to aiding in stress-related issues, colostrum emerges as a versatile tool for pet owners. As we wrap up, remember that it's not about newness, but about tapping into the proven benefits of nutrients like colostrum to keep our pets healthy and happy. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes on the Pet Industry Podcast by BSM Partners, where we continue to explore the science, people, and products shaping the pet industry. For more, check out the BSM Partners website for pet resources at bsmpartners.net. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Industry Podcast, a BSM Partners production with editing by Cliff Duvenois. Thank you to the podcast team, Dr. Megan Sprinkle, Dr. Mary Cope, Whitney Russell, Dr. Stephanie Clark, and Michael Johnson. If you want to learn more about our family here at BSM Partners, please visit our website at bsmpartners.net. And please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, tell a friend, and find us here next time.